Hello. Thank you for tuning in to The MedVets. My brother and I created this platform to spread the power of optimism and education with simple conversation. Our only goal is to inspire healthier communities by connecting people and stories. Thanks for listening. The Force is with you, young Skywalker. But you are not a Jedi yet. to our listeners due to social distancing restrictions today's episode may sound different the med vets appreciate your understanding my background is when i was in the air force i trained as a surgical tech so i worked alongside surgeons in the operating room and so already so when i got out i kind of had that clinical understanding i kind of knew the terminology and so i started working for johnson johnson i soaked these up like a sponge and i decided on my own distributorship and really provide not just a product to the doctor and their patients, but to provide a value. Anybody right, can right. provide product. Right, but, you sure. know, the way that we try to do things is we try to evolve. And that's why, you know, we work alongside with Marcus at Medwell. And so, hey, we're not just providing implants, but we also want to be a solution provider also. You guys are mostly domestic, right? Yes, we had had interest from Canada and Mexico. We're trying to find ways to support those areas, but if there's an opportunity to expand, right. you know, we'll be open to that, especially outside of the, the U.S. so I can get a right. more stamp on my passport. So. Oh, for sure. I, I, I love them stamps. I like them when they fill up. You got to get yeah. a new one. <laughs> <laughs> kind of count out the international market. The second level is there's probably a lot less barriers to entry in other markets than what we think. And, and you got a customer base that you, you just never thought of. What we do is we provide a second market, so I call it the second market solutions for chip making companies, i.e. Intel, advanced micro devices, Taiwan semiconductor manufacturers, manufacturing companies, and they actually make computer chips, integrated circuits. There's always surplus equipment. Once com- uh, companies change their processes, they're wrapping down production in a certain area, so they have surplus equipment. And then the spare parts that they use to maintain those pieces of equipment, like say specialized parts, there's motors, there's pumps, there's flow controllers and things like that because it's heavy dealing with like gases and chemicals. We'll buy that, buy those items on the secondary market and we'll refurbish it or have a third party refurbisher and then we'll resell it. So we ended up getting started because I've been in the industry since 1993 and moved into purchasing, uh, kind of like a purchasing job. And then I learned a lot of suppliers, learned a lot more about the equipment, OEMs and people like that. I had an opportunity to leave with a little bit of money in my pocket and I did that and worked sales for a, a small company. That was maybe 15 years ago. And we went from my garage to approximately a 9,000 square foot warehouse where I do more 
in Taiwan and China and uh, South Korea than we do anywhere else. That's interesting because what, like how, what made you want to get involved in international, international trade? And I would say like during the whole COVID stuff, how, how, how was that as far as receiving goods from other countries? What did that kind of change your process and workflows? We had an idea that there was an international market. I didn't know there was this huge chip making market overseas. Mm-hmm. And so when we, when we start our business, we, we just start posting our items on different subscriber-based websites and platforms and things like that. And we started getting a lot of hits internationally. So I was like, man, this is huge. We did Semicon shows. That's kind of the equivalent of like Comic-Con, but for the semiconductor industry, half of our sales at least have always been pretty consistent internationally. We do mostly exporting. I may buy some equipment from like Ireland, Germany, and places like that. Asia is a little bit tougher market. As far as buying equipment, they want to take care of their country first. So they'll, they'll try to make sure they keep it in-house domestically before they give guys like us a chance mm-hmm. to come in and buy that equipment. If we do buy equipment, it's mostly from factories in Germany, Ireland, maybe Taiwan every now and then. We, we do a lot on eBay. We've launched mm-hmm. our website in the past, maybe past six months. And so we've been putting a lot of our efforts into that. And I didn't realize for all these years that there was like this different kind of platform in all these countries because there's different export import standards in all these countries. So there's kind of some nuances that we weren't picking up on. And so we found this tool called Web Interpret and it's, it's available. It's, it can be used for like people to have Amazon stores, uh, eBay stores and other kind of uh, marketing platforms. We were never doing those kind of numbers. We realized that this, this particular platform is working. And we've done six-figure sales for the past four months, and we probably never had that level happen. We had some big spikes where we quarter million in a month, but it was always up and down. Given your you know experience in international markets, especially everything that's going on with COVID, from what you've seen, where do you think the U.S. is lagging or or slacking? Because you know, with you getting out there and you and going on and in other other countries, where do you think the ball was dropped in regards to how we're handling and addressing uh, COVID-19? I would call it geopolitical. We get into survival mode. We actually make it harder for businesses to survive here in times of crisis just by rhetoric. Don't realize how much when we say, you know, something bad about another country's leaders and things like that, how much these people begin to kind of take that to heart because they've got an option to deal with us or deal with let our products in these policies are kind of dispersed they're all interconnected right if you help me i help you that's that's kind of like the golden rule what's funny is i saw a lot of that firsthand and so i can i definitely understand where you're coming from and the reason being is because with this kind of like a a, a wave it was coming from the eastern countries from china then it kind of gradually came over right. to europe or italy and then into the u.s but, you know, knowing a lot of things firsthand is I saw where we were unprepared in this chaos. And yeah. what I mean by that is because being on the front lines, dealing with, with healthcare, is we didn't have the supplies or the resources that we needed. You know, we were scrambling. And a lot of that time, you know, we were trying to get things from other countries. And that's a process. You had some insight into other markets, wow. uh, 
U.S. that can kind of assist us with uh, wanting to help out with the PPE that we would need. Okay, let's make everybody as safe as possible so that all these economies can get back functional as soon as possible. And we weren't prepared to do that. Everybody knows those things are gone. We're so interconnected that we won't be able to figure these things out ourselves because we, it's, you know, we're not an island to ourselves anymore. Man, I like that. I agree with that 100%, Cliff, 100%. Would you, say, would you say that these viewpoints that you have now pretty much got heightened or more enhanced during your time in the military or after? Growing up in Cleveland, I, I look back before I went to the military and I didn't have any friends that were unlike me. I actually gained kind of like the, the bigger picture. The diversity of our customer base is extensive. You know, we've done business in 30, I think last time we counted, 36 different countries around the world. It, w it wasn't until me actually being in the military that I realized that I have to diversify myself and my experiences right. and also the people I'm going to be working with. I have to understand how to communicate with people from another country or people from other backgrounds, you know, because... I'll tell you, I, I met some of the smartest people and, and most, mostly some of the dumbest people in the military. <laughs> and I, <laughs> common sense isn't common at all. Yeah. And that, you know, from different parts of the world, people really see life differently. It's, it stretched me because this is not, there's not a high concentration of African-Americans in, the, in, the, in this kind of niche, niche market that I'm in. So I'm constantly adapting myself culturally, or even, you know, just domestically. Keith, uh, talk about your experiences as being uh, African-American in the medical industry, especially the device medical industry. Wow. How long is this? <laughs> <laughs> how, much, how much time do we have? Yes, it is a, a challenge. But if we think about the number of people getting healthcare benefits, whether it's Medicare or Medicaid, are in the communities that look like us and they're not educated they don't know they don't know how to review their 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 bills from healthcare companies they don't understand that if they were to pay five dollars per month on their bills that legally insurance companies cannot send them to claim challenge is it's like yeah I'm, I'm, I'm different i've been doing this for a number of years i'm passionate about what i do and I believe that passion came from one, being in the military, and two, being a surgical tech. And so I'm going to use this platform to talk about those two things versus the obvious, which is me being minority. But I'm going to get on the stage and talk about being a veteran and also having that clinical experience. Being in the military, you get a certain, certain training, a certain level of training, that should come with some level of respect. It shows that we sacrifice ourselves for others. And also being a clinical background, again, is also sacrificing ourselves for others. So looking at those two elements and the experience that I bring, it's not really value. Marcus can kind of share with you that we've been in meetings to where we tell people, hey, we're service-disabled, uh, veteran-owned small business, some of the companies are like, yeah, that doesn't really matter to me. When I share that I was a former surgical tech, that doesn't really matter to them because it's all about business. It's all about representation. 
and I'm probably a small percentage, if not in Texas, but throughout the country, that has those qualifications that we have. You know, I don't really see many people like us, many companies that are support military veterans or have a strong uh, presence in healthcare as far as education and experience. So the internet, in a sense, is colorblind. I've already helped people make money, and I've already saved them money. And by the time that they find out different color, different culture, anything like that, we presented so much value to them that that barrier, that one barrier is, is, is out the way. That's kind of like the benefit that I had. And I think helped me out tremendously that I could sell you something and, and it doesn't matter whether I'm blue. I've saved you some green. I like that. And I'm blue <laughs> and I can save you some green. <laughs> Even the fact that you talk about, you know, the, what the internet being colorblind, man, me and Keith were just talking about a situation today where someone, they, they took one look at, uh, one of, one of these websites and automatically they felt that because something wasn't listed or they didn't like it the way it, it wasn't designed to their, their liking that they automatically feel like they just didn't want to do business with us. And it's things like that, you know, cause that's just like, uh, what kind of discrimination is that? Right? Because a website, not, not, you're not going to contact us to see, to verify if we can do something you're not going to reach out and say, hey, do you have these products and services? Because I don't see them listed on your website. It's just a, a simple one-click page. And, and if you're a company that's supposed to be working with diverse businesses, small businesses, I think the amount of greed plays a part in that as well, where everyone just wants control and run that monopoly. There's plenty of African-American CEOs out there that will not put their faces on their website just because of the opportunities they may lose out on in the future with other businesses. I've literally had that debate, you know, do we put, or we just put some generic diversity picture on our website. I, I want to say, forget what people think, but then there's a, a portion of our uniqueness that, that does pre present value, I, I think. I've literally had people that I've done business with that when I actually find them in person and I told them who I was, the guy asked to see my driver's license because he couldn't believe it was me. From what I'm hearing is you have the benefit of working with, you know, directly with your, your clients, your customers. For us, our patients are our clients or our customers. But unfortunately, in between that patient, we have the doctor, insurance company, a hospital, and the other entity that are involved with this patient. We also have to meet the, the, the demands of the hospitals of pricing and, and a number of, of other things. I want to be able to say, hey, go to our website and look at the value that we bring. Look at our performance. With the state of the country then right now, how do I raise my hand and get noticed? These big companies, they have one thing in mind and it's to service their shareholders. They have to make sure that they're profitable every single year. You know, numbers don't lie. You know, I yeah. want them to tell us, hey, how many veteran-owned small businesses are you working with? How many companies have been start, started up by professionals that were in the healthcare arena? Just, just that alone. Forget about women-owned businesses. Forget about minority-owned businesses. Just those two alone, those numbers are small. It's not about patient care. It's about the patient dollar. Oh, and you guys didn't notice, I just dropped the mic when I said that.
Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, I know we're in a capitalistic society, but care should probably be above the dollar. How do you navigate beyond that? Those gatekeepers, you got to find, find those pieces. And I'm, I'm, that's probably a piece of my business that's maybe even missing. I have not sought out champions as much as I should, you know, for our business. You know, beyond the gatekeeper, there has to be somebody on the inside that's really advocating for you. Just being different in the industries that we are in, it's important to, to definitely find a champion that can lead you to those gatekeepers, you know? Yeah. I think now more than ever, more and more people are starting to realize this. You, you can't just so much do for yourself without helping others. So the more and more people help one another, they realize the, the return on investment on that. And I think that's another reason why people don't help each other because there's no return on investment that's visually seen at that moment. <laughs> one of my things that I've learned in my experience is those gatekeepers, as much as they want to help, they're limited to what they can and cannot do. Because again, they have to answer to somebody above them. I look at how do we get around those gatekeepers by doing one thing in healthcare that has not been done yet. And uh, that's doing platforms like this, having open discussions, and that's using social media. And that's creating a brand that's not just going off of our discussions, but having solid performance, having a good portfolio and adding value. They have not grasped the power of social media. They have not grasped the power of podcasts. They have not grasped the power of being connected with their community. I can go to a resale store and as a veteran, I can ask, hey, do you have a veteran discount? More than likely, most of the retailers, the restaurants will say, hey, yes, we will give you 10, 15 X percent off. I have yet to be able to, I can go to a doc's office, go to a hospital and ask, hey, can I get a veteran discount? But hey, hospital, you're all about the community. Why can I get a, why can I get a discount? I think the, the biggest gatekeeper for us that we can get around is social media and letting them know that we exist through platforms like this. It's, this is an industry that's more like an old money industry where a lot of these guys, they're making millions. And so if you're making money and you can do all the lifestyle things that you want and still grow your company, what good, why a lot of these guys' positions, why do I need a website? Why do I need social media when I know I can make seven figures easily without all that stuff? And so what we've always done is we wanted to be like on a leading edge where the industry should be going and you know, utilizing some of our expertise, but then our leveraging our relationships to be able to use social media marketing, which is all kind of foreign to me. That's because it's not my native language. But then also, like you said, we don't just want to sell you something. We want to provide you with a solution. The website I was telling my team the other day, the website is kind of like our resume. I believe that we can expand on that some more because now if you look at technology, if you look at the millennials who's coming up, they're, they're more interested in your social media outlook. You yeah. know, so I think if we can connect with them on social media, they can be our influencers. They can help us get our word out say, hey, just using social media is going to be those things that I think may replace the website. People don't read. We're experimenting with cloning 
cloning markets or cloning demographics here, like, you know, within Texas, we're doing a marketing campaign where you're looking for engineers that work on a specific piece of equipment, a specific process. And we, we're taking that and we're trying to duplicate those audiences in Japan. Like you said, keep not necessarily the gatekeepers, but just somebody can just be that influencer or just bring us, bring our name up in the conversation of, of, of a viable solution provider. I think that social media is an effective tool and resource, but it's it's really, you have to leverage it the right way, you know, exactly what you said, and, and know how to target the group that you want to target. And sometimes we get kind of pigeonholed in mm-hmm. what, our, what our, our, I guess, specific industries are, and we don't ever try to kind of transfer information or lessons learned or, be, or best practices. No, and, and, and man, like I always said, and something I have to learn myself is like, you know, I'm a millennial, but I don't like to do all the things that the younger kids are doing now, like TikToks or actually <laughs> getting on my uh, Instagram live and making a video, right? Because maybe I'm thinking people aren't listening or whatnot, but it's like, sometimes the best thing to do is just to do it, right? You know, and try yeah. it out, hit record and just see see what happens. And you never know, you may hit jackpot, right? Somebody may be listening like, damn, Cliff, yeah. you said something that made like, perfect sense. Yeah, it's never gonna be perfect. You know, it's never, it's always gonna be, you know, something that you can critique, but at least it's done and you have a basis to which, for which to improve on it. We're literally counting out in some of our businesses, 6.7 billion people out of a market. And you're absolutely right. And you know, they, they may not be directly tied to your direct customers, but they, they probably know somebody within the industry. I, I'll tell you that happened to me one time. Yeah. I, was, I was in this one program and I was partnered up with someone and I did not think that the individual had any knowledge about what it was that I do. They were friends with someone that had immense experience in the medical industry, connected us, and ever since then, it's just been an ongoing partnership. So I was just like, my ignorance of wow. not wanting to talk to someone that had nothing, no relation of my industry, yeah. actually had a solid connection. That was a friend that, that is a hell of a partner for us. And that's how I initially got started. I was selling stuff and trying to sell a guy some parts and he told me I won't buy your stuff because I can buy it down the street from you for you know 10 cent on the dollar and he gave me the guy's name to where I could buy it from and we ended up launching our company just from that one contact that the guy gave me I appreciate it. well Cliff man I just want to thank you man for joining us and everything and I really appreciate your insight your knowledge about your industry cross-training into the, the medical idea and your, and your perspective on everything that's going on now in the world, man. So I really appreciate yeah. it. Thank you for your services, being a fellow veteran. Thank you for being a small business CEO, owner. Thank you for being a great individual, man. I really appreciate it. Thank you guys for having me on. I hope that I presented some type of value and didn't get to a lot of my notes and things like that, but I can shoot over to you in terms of people wanting to kind of pursue different avenues on how to get their products or even services to different markets. Like I know you're talking about Canada, Mexico, you know, and those are probably the easiest markets. One of the biggest barriers to international trade isn't these pseudo geo- geopolitical things that we're, we're fighting, all the saber rattling and things like that. A lot of times it's just fear and that that is such a daunting task to take my product that I've developed for the United States or for my neighborhood or my specific kind of area of influence and taking it and developing it to be able to transfer overseas or internationally or globally. 
And I think that's probably one of the biggest barriers to entry is ourselves, is our fear and looking at it as a daunting task. How do I do it? And we've got to find a way to kind of simplify that and make it, you know, palatable for people to want to kind of expand globally. And just uh, for all the listeners out there, if someone wants to reach out to you, Cliff, how can they connect with you, whether it be email, website? Um, uh, my email is uh, no. cliff at myvisionsurplus.com. Because I make sure I add it on our marketing material too, and I'll share that with you before you put that out. But thanks again, Cliff, man. And, uh, right. Well, wish you guys the best. You too. Take care. All right. Thanks. Thank you. Take care, Keith. All right. Thanks.